This episode of Left of Field is brought to you by Hail the Kale. Eat simple and wholesome food and your body will thank you. Their Super Bowls aim to create healthy, modern-day convenient food that looks as good as it tastes. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Welcome to another episode of the Left of Field podcast. I am Danny Kavanagh as always, and this week I am lucky enough to talk to professional rugby player Ian Pryor. Now, Ian is currently the captain of the Western Force, who have been through a very dramatic few years in the National Super Rugby competition. They've been kicked out, invited back in, and who knows what their future holds. We go through all of that, plus talk about how he's not only so talented on the field, but also off the field with many degrees and a young family. So I hope you enjoy it. Ian, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going? Uh, thanks for having me on today. I'm actually in day 14 of home quarantine after returning back from New South Wales, based on the East Coast for 10 weeks for our Super Rugby comp. And yeah, happy to be talking to another human that's not my wife or child. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet you've loved all that time with your child. How would you sum up quarantine? It's been really nice to have some quality family time, just ourselves, and we're pretty much homebodies anyway. I think about day nine, we're probably ready to get out. You know, you had a little bit to look forward to, day 11, a bit of testing, and then yeah, a few more days in your home straight. So we've had a fair bit of gardening today because the garden didn't get up to 10 weeks. So it's kept us pretty busy. It's given you a green thumb. Is that is yeah. that the biggest skill you've developed over the last 14 days? Yeah, without a doubt. My wife is a dietitian, so she does most of the cooking. So she's been putting on a clinic. And then I'm oh, just been trying to get my hands dirty with the green thumb and putting together a few flat packs. We bought a little like playground swing set for Riley, our daughter. So it took me a day. But otherwise, yeah, enjoy being at home. Sounds very wholesome and productive, but congratulations on getting through it. Or one more night. Let's hope you survive. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Here's hoping. You've been through the ringer with corona and travelling and everything like that. But let's bring it back. Could you tell everyone, so you're actually currently the captain of the Western Force. How did you get that position? A bit of a long story short. Born in Australia to some Zimbabwean migrants that came over and we lived uh, in Queensland for a few years, moved back to Zimbabwe for seven or eight years and then came back when all the drama sort of unfolded in Zimbabwe and the land rights issues. And we've been in Brisbane ever since. Did school there, ended up playing for the Queensland Reds for a year. My team, I grew up idolising, which was quite cool, in front of my family and friends. Then I moved to the AST Brumbies in 2012, played there for two years and then moved over west in 2013 and have been here ever since, really enjoyed it. You know, we've had a bit of a, an interesting history with the Western Force, obviously being out of Super Rugby, starting our own competition and then this year we were back in Super Rugby in Australia and yeah, I came back, played a few months over in the UK when we got uh, dropped out of Super Rugby and then came back because Perth is a special place to my wife and I, we got engaged here, we had our first child here and you know, it's hard not to love the Perth lifestyle and yeah, just really enjoyed the person I was outside of rugby because I was able to enjoy my life here in Perth and, yeah, came back and was lucky enough to be asked to be captain and, yeah, just sort of jumped to the opportunity. It's, yeah, been captain for the last three years, which has been a, you know, a huge honour and a huge privilege and what I've enjoyed, like all leadership positions, it had its challenges and had its positives, but certainly enjoyed the role and I'm very lucky to be supported by some 
very experienced people in our coaching administrative staff and some uh, very experienced players that are also in our leadership group that have been here with myself sort of rebuilding this club. So, yeah, very lucky to do what I do. And I love getting out of bed every day and trying to make a difference for the club and setting us up for a sustainably successful future. Let's go back to the beginning. Obviously, growing up in Queensland, which is a very rugby union state, were you always destined to follow a career in this sport? Definitely in, in some sport. I was a sport nut growing up. What did you play? Um, played everything I could to get out of school pretty much. So I was pretty handy, just cricket, rugby, cross country, dabbled in a bit of soccer, hockey, AFL. Yeah, basically just whatever sport it was for that term. But my two main loves were cricket and rugby. And I was probably a bit better at cricket, to be honest, coming through school, boys. And I just enjoyed rugby more. And back then sort of when you got to the pointy end around grade 12, you know, when it was cricket season, it was seven days a week of cricket. And when it was rugby season, it was seven days a week of rugby. And I think I probably just burnt out with cricket because it's full days, Saturday, Sunday, whereas rugby was sort of that couple of hours to have fun with your mates and then go home and still get balance outside of that. So just the right timing, I think, and just kind of went from there to University of Queensland, studied there and played a couple of years of premier grade. I didn't come through the traditional schoolboys pathway. It's kind of boys shadow, went to a, a lower end school. And worked hard and played at a good club and, and played some decent rugby and managed to get noticed by Ewan McKenzie, who was the Reds coach at the time, plucked me out of club rugby and I was selected in the Australian under-20s uh, rugby union team when there was an injury uh, that occurred in Argentina. So that was, 2010 was kind of my breakout year, I guess, and got a, a few things went my way and, yeah, just tried to always make the most of my opportunities in life. Coming from a migrant family that's worked hard to sort of set myself and my sister up, you know, to enjoy everything that Australia has to offer. And we've been lucky enough to see that in the first world country. Obviously, you touched on that, that rugby is, you know, considered a more private school sport. Do you think that's a misconception? I think traditionally it's obviously got that stereotype. I think at the moment we're kind of going through a transition in the sport. You know, I think Stedman's has really opened up a lot of doors to a lot of athletes and a lot of players that, you know, male and female, they want to give the game a go. It's not as heavy on the body and it's you know a bit more fun to throw the ball around and, and have a go with your mates and yeah they definitely have improved that in terms of just not being the private school sport you know it's in a lot of state schools now and, and growing as a sport in that regard and it's obviously got a lot of competition over here in WA with the AFL being the primary sport over here and, and over in Queensland rugby league sort of played in the state schools so yeah I think it's a turning point for rugby union at the moment as a sport and, and trying to grow the game and we're lucky enough in WA to have someone like Andrew and Nicola Forrest that are pretty passionate about the game and, and growing the game in WA. So we're very fortunate in that regard over here. Do you think overall the sport has been a bit slow though in adapting to the changes? Because are you worried with the future of, you know, AFL growing so quickly over in Queensland and NRL always being the biggest sport in here as well? Do you think that the sport was a bit slow? Yeah, there's no doubt the sport's probably been a bit slow in that regard. And that's probably been learnt over the last few years and that's why they've made changes the last couple of years. And Do you see you a know, bright future it. in the grassroots level then, now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely I do. What I are do. they doing? The special thing I think with rugby union is that, you know, players of any body type and body shape can play. There's a position for everyone. I don't think you get that in AFL and rugby league. You know, you look at the rugby league, professional sports profiles, everyone has to run a certain speed and a certain distance now and they're all pretty much the same body shape except the forwards are probably five to ten kilos heavier than the backs and AFLs you obviously you gotta be you know high octane running a lot of a lot of miles and generally the taller and more coordinated you are the better player you are. So I think rugby union's point of difference is it's a game for everyone and all types of body shapes with our front rowers that 
a generally, you know, you're heavier person or you're better built person. And then you sort of go all the way to the backs and everyone molds differently in there. So our grassroots has been growing outstandingly. Yeah, we probably don't have the money to leverage, you know, giving away free tickets and free memberships like the AFL and NRL do in their respective places. But, you know, I think the best part about rugby union as well is it's the global game. You know, someone can grow up wanting to play for Australia and they can go and see the world and playing rugby union. You can't do that in other sports, in AFL and, and rugby league. That's a big selling point. Obviously, the Olympics as well. There's a lot of positives about rugby union. It's just about leveraging that. And I think they've started to do that last couple of years. So probably a bit slow to do that. But now we're certainly on the right track, I think, as a sport to make sure we use that. You mentioned there's a position for everyone. Is it better in the sport to be a generalist or a specialist? Ooh. I think when you get to the professional side, specialisation is because you get into such the tippy point of any sport you know you're talking about the top one percent that sort of come professional you need to specialize in a position i think your general skills will have to be pretty good you know you catch pass you run and you tackle have to be you know up to a certain mark to make it to any level in sport but then specializing and you know whether it's a, a hooker who throws into the line out or a halfback or five eight that's a bit of the, the marshal getting yourself around you don't see many players that are generalists anymore as the game has become more professional and more demanding now, you're not the biggest guy in the team, but obviously, you know, you've got the biggest role as the leader. How do you make your presence known then out in the field? Out in the field, I guess, yeah. Like, obviously, not not in the biggest body. but you You're know, very fit. Your... I'm not taking that away from you. You're an elite <laughs> athlete. No, no, no. Let's, but you're not, obviously, the biggest guy out there. Do you struggle with taking on that leadership role, or did you ever struggle? No, I, I think I've been quite lucky in that, I don't know if it's, my upbringing and whatnot, but I've always sort of, you know, even through schoolboys, I was in the leadership role or captain in most sports coming through. So I think I've always enjoyed leading and managing people. Being from the front, like any good captain, is obviously one of your main aims and, and playing well week in, week out with consistency because with leadership, you can't really ask someone to do something you're not willing to do. So making sure you're still able to put your body on the line and, you know, taking on those bigger guys can be quite, I guess, inspiring for some of the other players around you. If they see a 85 kilo guy taking on a Six foot eight, 120 kilo big bopper, they're going to want to work hard for you if you're working hard for them. So you'll lead with your actions and you know your words will follow and your words will have more value after that. So yeah, that's probably from my perspective, that's what I've always tried to do. You talked about how you had a standout season in 2010. Tell me about that first game and debuting and those first international games as well. Yeah, so I guess because I played Premier grade rugby since I was 18. I was playing against, you know, battle-hardened veterans and, and men that were 30 years old, 32 years old, that had played a lot of footy. So that was really good to toughen up my body and, and get used to the demands of playing week in, week out for 25, 30 weeks and playing consistently well was I was doing at the time and sort of got the call from Ewan McKenzie, who was the coach of the Reds, to come in and trial at training. Did really well again there. Like I said earlier, I've always been one to try and make the most of my opportunities. And luckily, I did at the time and he signed me for the following year and Sort of at the same time, there was an injury in the Australian under-20s team and I got flown over to Argentina and played in the last pool game and then the World Cup, the Junior Rugby World Cup semi-final and final. And unfortunately, lost the final to New Zealand, but it was a pretty stacked Australian team. Most of the guys have gone on to play Wallabies now. And then the following year, debuted for the Reds in my hometown and in front of my family and friends, which was pretty special. And we actually won the Super Rugby title that year. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, like I said, I think it's just the most of making opportunities. And A, you've got to be ready to make the most opportunities, but B, you've got to be presented with them. And luckily I was presented with them. I'd been working hard for a while, waiting for a chance. And yeah, I got lucky and I, I took those chances. 
So what goes through your mind now having played for 10 years? What goes through your mind when you have, you know, 10,000 people watching you about to kick the Gilbert through the sticks? Because you barely miss. You're pretty good. Uh, yeah, I've worked hard for a while to become decent at kicking. So You have world-class stats, don't you? Really close to 90s? Uh, yeah, I think I'm between 80 and 85 at the moment. So, yeah, pretty high up, which is... You know, it's impressive. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> but what I mean, goes through your harder. head? Oh, I, I guess, you know, it sounds pretty basic and simple, but you're doing pressure things in front of big crowds. You've got to make sure your process is, is right and it's simple and you're confident in that. And, you know, I've always kept a similar process and kind of takes me back to when I used to kick with my dad down the park when I was 10 years old and he was teaching me to kick over big trees rather than the posts because it was easier to aim at and kept repeating to myself, head down, watch the ball and follow through. And that's all I try and do now. It's just a process I've done thousands and thousands of times. And I think obviously kicking near the, near the crowd is pretty cool when you get to kick in front of you know twenty odd thousand. You're right near a grandstand and you get to nail one from the sideline. You get goosebumps and you're running back and you know that you've nailed that skill under pressure. And also kicks to win games. You go back to I think it was Panasonic Wild Knights in 2018. Myself and Beric Barnes, the other goal kick from the other team, were trading blows the whole game. And there was one kick sort of at the end. We were it was 45-47 and it was kind of a kick to not seal the win, but to try and put a bit of pressure on them. And it was a fair way out and managed to just sort of stick with the process, kept it simple and, and put it over, which was pretty cool. So, yeah, it's like any skill. Some of you practice a lot and sometimes you hear the crowd talking and throwing a few barbs at you if you're playing away, but you just got to stick to that process and remain cool and calm as you can. Yeah, well, you don't get that good unless you train hard. So what does a normal training day or schedule look like for an uh, elite rugby union player? I guess pre-season is probably where we work hardest physically in season is pretty hard because you're playing and you're getting examined every week but pre-season your normal day you come and you do a bit of screening and check in with your body and, and the physios and make sure everything's a-okay in the morning around seven a bit of prep and meetings time so we get our meetings done first up so guys get the information and they can chat from there around about eight o'clock and we'll start prepping for the session guys will get strapped do their rolling you know their flexibility training head down Train for about 90 minutes to two hours. That's probably on field. So it'll be a combination of skills, defensive work, tackling, running, conditioning games, all that kind of stuff. And then after that, you'll get time to work on your extras. So like my goal kicking or passing or whatever specific skill you want to work on to improve your skills. And then we'll break for lunch, have a couple of hours there, come back in the afternoon and we'll generally do either a unit. So kind of I'm in the back line. So the backs will do their work. The forwards will do their work. We'll do a bit of weights as well, which would be another 60 to 90 minutes after your 60-minute unit session. And then time for recovery. So guys that need physio will get physio. Other guys will go and hit the ice bars or the beach and make sure you rest up and recover and refuel with a bit of nutrition for the next day. So you probably finish around 4 or 5 o'clock, depending on if you want to do some video analysis after training, you might get back later. And that's probably a typical day. Well, I'm exhausted just listening to that. That sounds pretty intense. Obviously, it's a full-time commitment. Have you always, though, tried to be the hardest worker in the room? I heard that you're pretty committed. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I probably would have done that if I wasn't captain anyway. I think very lucky in my first two years to be part of two very successful teams and work under some really great coaches. And, and I was just exposed to what the level is required to make it at that next level and just tried to always take that on. And I think I, you know, I worked hard to get to the professional level as well from the amateur level. At one point, before I got fully contracted, I'd doing full-time uni, I was working part-time, 
20 hours a week and I was training with the academy, which is another 20 hours a week. So I was leaving home at 6 a.m. and getting home at 8, 9 o'clock at night and doing that four or five days a week. So I was taught work ethic pretty young and I just tried to maintain that through. Pretty lucky to be able to do what I do every day and do it full time, which I love. I've done a couple of degrees on the outside of that. So that's taken a fair bit of time as well. And yeah, I've just I guess I've been lucky to be supported by my wife and my family to be able to train and enjoy as much as I can because it only lasts for a certain amount of time, so you've got to make the most of it while you can. Today's episode of Left of Field is made possible by Hail the Kale. Delicious, nourish bowls delivered directly to your office or home. Made fresh with WA's finest and local ingredients, it's nourishment from the inside and out. I love how simple and convenient these Super Bowls are. Quite often, I really can't be bothered making my lunch, and this takes meal prepping to a whole new level, as the Hail the Kale crew will just make it for you. And with five bowls of pure goodness for just $50, there's no grocery stores, cooking, cleaning, or any hassle involved. It's a lunchtime win all around. And today, all my lovely listeners out there, you will receive 10% of your first order when you use the code Left of field 10. That's right, try maybe their winter warmer bundle with chicken or why not give my personal favourite vegan bundle a go. It's really yummy and you won't regret it. After all, healthy eating should be simple, quick and enjoyable. Yeah, you mentioned you've got a few degrees there. So you have a sports science degree. How will you go as a rehab patient then over the years? You must be (laughs) the worst. Yeah, if you ask the physios, you get some pretty honest feedback about me. No, I guess I'm pretty inquisitive because I'm obviously trying to learn and understand why, why not, all that kind of thing. And I've had a couple of injuries over the last few years, so I've been able to be exposed to the rehab side of things, whereas my first few years, I was quite lucky I didn't get any injuries, so I hadn't really had any experience there. So I'm probably a, a double-edged sword. I'm probably the best rehab patient to have, but also the worst because I ask so many questions. But whatever we end up agreeing to do, I do it probably too much and, and too thorough. So I've been quite lucky to get back from most of my injuries back ahead of schedule and, yeah, sort of use it as a challenge to myself to make sure I come back in better condition than when I got injured if I did get injured. So, yeah. And so let's chat about the Western Force now. How did you find joining the team in the beginning and seeing where it's ended up now? Unpack that whole process of getting, you know, kicked out of Super Rugby. Yeah, sure. So I guess I arrived here in 2013. At that time, not many players had growing up and come from Perth I think we had nine or ten at that point so most of the other guys that make up the squad are not from Perth so everyone becomes each other's family which is is quite cool and you get to know the guys and their families and their partners off the field and it's a really great family culture and you got to look after each other because Perth is quite isolated from the east coast and all we have is each other as teammates so it was quite welcoming in that regard and I loved the lifestyle of Perth and I just found I was able to really train a lot harder because I was enjoying my life outside of rugby and getting away and refreshing and coming in a great headspace so that was good and then we fast forward to obviously getting removed Super Rugby that was a, a pretty average year watching some of the mates that I'd grown really close with you know some of the toughest competitors you've seen on the field crying at the end of the season and and getting quite upset and emotional, which you never see them do. It's a bit of an eye-opener, and I just... I think it kind of put rugby in its perspective. You can get all-consumed in professional rugby and being the best player you can be, and it can be as full-time as you want it to be when you get time off. But that sort of taught me, yeah, okay, it's professional sport and it is your job, but there is... Rugby's a game at the end of the day, and you still got to enjoy what you do. So that's kind of... The reason I came back, I was over at Harlequins in the UK 
for a few months and I had the opportunity to probably stay overseas and play either there or in France. But my now wife and I were getting married on her family farm in Queensland. Saw a chance to come back and contribute to a club that I love and be part of rebuilding that club. And yeah, came back for less security and, and less money than I probably could have got overseas. But it was more the purpose I was invested in and, and the people that were involved. And so I came back and then in three short years, we obviously made the finals in NRC our first year. We had the World Series Rugby Series. The following year, we had the Showcase Series and we won NRC. And then this year was the full-blown first year of what was meant to be Global Rapid Rugby. And that got cut short from a small hurricane called COVID. We managed to get invited back into Super Rugby within Australia and we jumped at the opportunity and it probably came a few years before anyone thought it would. That was pretty special to be able to achieve that as a group and in a lot shorter time frame than we thought we would. Were you shocked at the original decision to drop the Western Force from the Australian competition? Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely not alone in that. And Do you, you think know, it was the right choice? Oh, no. no I, I think everyone's agreed that it wasn't the right choice and that was part of us being back Australian Super Rugby competition this year and people that made that decision at the time for whatever reasons that's done and dusted now and luckily we've been able to rebuild the club and, and have influence of Andrew and Nicola Forrest and the Roo Foundation which probably wouldn't have happened if we didn't get kicked out so we're very fortunate in that regard and everything happens for a reason and now yeah looking to be the one of the powerhouses of Australian rugby moving forward. Now you lost eight games this season do you think that warrants a place for the Western Force in whatever format the Super Rugby competition takes in 2021? Yeah, I, I think we do. Like, obviously the results we weren't happy with and you look at a lot of those games, I think five of those games we were really close in to getting a result and we had 15 or 16 Super Rugby debutants this year, which was the highest of all the teams and, you know, you look at the other teams that have played quite a few games before of Super Rugby before us. So, you know, we put out some competitive performances, a few areas we need to work on and need to create a bit more depth in certain positions but a lot of those guys that have debuted are now better for that experience and that was the point of us keeping the force alive and keeping this program running and I think we proved that we can be competitive and obviously with another off season and now knowing what we need to prepare for rather than preparing for one series which was rapid rugby and then that getting changed and having to prepare for super we've got a long lead in now that we can work on our game and know what we're coming up against in terms of opposition and prepare for that correctly. Looking at the competitions as a whole, and there is, you know, an opportunity now for changes to happen for the next year. What changes would you like to see evolve within the competition? I think the rule changes were really positive this year and created that attacking brand of rugby. And it was nice to see because previously Australian derbies that would happen in Super Rugby would be more teams trying not to lose rather than trying to win, if that makes sense. And this year it felt like everyone was going out there to play to win rather than trying not to lose which is uh, really positive for Australian rugby and the brand of rugby that everyone was playing. It was high octane, a lot of skill, a lot more ball and play time and guys have been on a bit of a show, which is really good to see. Got a good young generation coming through Australian rugby now, so a lot of those guys got that exposure and that development and they'll be better for that coming up to the next World Cup. So obviously whatever happens next year, if it stays just Australia or becomes a trans-Tasman Australian New Zealand, it'll be exciting to see. But I think those rule changes have to stay and, and we have to keep Make sure we develop local local talent, local products. As the captain, our Western Force obviously were given, you know, almost like a clean slate and to start again. What was the ethos of the team that you wanted to bring forward into this season and you hope to develop into the coming seasons? Yeah, so since we came back into the Western Force from 
when we were removed, we wanted to rebuild the club and the infrastructure and, and making sure that we maintained some of the values that we had before. So obviously hard work, integrity, family and community was a big one, looking after each other because like I said before, everyone here is kind of, now we do have a few more Perth products, it's good, but everyone's each other's family, you've got to look after each other and you've got to enjoy the people you work with. So we've always recruited character and making sure character matches with the talent and, and having the right people in the building. So, yeah, it, it sounds pretty simple, but mainly around working hard, being good people and making sure we're innovative in the way we prepare the guys and the way we play the game and try and keep one step ahead of the game in terms of our game development has been a big cornerstone of, of us developing the way we have. you got a sports science degree. What other degrees have you got? What do you do off the field then? So, like all jocks, I did human movements coming out of school and wanted to do physiotherapy but couldn't quite do that while I'm still playing. So, earlier this year, I just finished my master's in exercise physiology, which is kind of like the next step up from exercise scientist and probably in between that and the physio. So, a lot of exercise rehab in both a clinical setting and a sports setting. So, keeping with the, the health and rehab theme has certainly been one that I've enjoyed and it's made that balance outside of rugby really enjoyable. So I love getting to the beach and going camping, exploring the great state of WA. Dabble a little bit of golf. Was good before Riley came. Not so much anymore. Haven't had as much time to work on the game. Do you socially play or do you like to get out there and be a bit competitive? I mainly socially play, but like all athletes and halfbacks, I'm pretty competitive. It's hard for me just to have a fun game of golf unless you're playing well or you're winning against your mates. So... It's good to get a bit of downtime. It has a lot of crossover to kicking as well, golf. So, What are the crossovers? A lot to do with timing, hand-eye coordination and not trying to kick the ball or hit the ball too hard. And It's a process, golf. You know, you're repeating a process where you're trying to get the ball into a target area and it can be from different distances out. And, yeah, it's obviously different using your hands. But there's a lot of crossover in terms of tempo and timing and swing speed that you have with kicking as well. So, yeah. What does the future hold for you? So I recently signed on for another two years, which is very Congratulations. exciting. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you for myself and my family. Just keep building the club and making sure we're ready to take that next step up and, and be a bit more competitive next year in Super Rugby. Keep involving my personal game, making sure I keep working on what I need to work on and make sure I'm the most complete player I can be. And then off the field, probably start doing a bit of work experience, experience the real world a little bit, whether it be in exercise physiology or workers' rehab or sort of sports management trying to decide and dabble at a few things there but for the moment got a few weeks off now which is nice to sort of reset and enjoy a bit of family time and we're going to head up to maybe Calbarry or Geraldton do a bit of camping which would be nice back into pre-season get ready for the year ahead. Oh I just went up north and it is beautiful so enjoy that sun. How do you see the sport in Australia as a whole? I think we've got a, a good period coming up over the next sort of five to ten years we're going through a bit of a transition now where we've lost a lot of experience and a lot of older heads have gone over to play overseas or retire and we've got a good young generation coming through now that's going to develop to the 2023 world cup two years after that 2025 you've got the british Irish Lions tour which is happens once every 12 years and it's one of the biggest tours that ever happened it's up there with the ashes and you see um, us as being competitive yeah absolutely if you look at the current crop of talent we have coming through now they're going to develop over the next few years be competitive at the world cup and then two years after that again with more development more time in the saddle it's going to be exciting to see and then two years following that we're talking about putting up hosting rights for the 2027 world cup at home and that's again one of the biggest events in the world so that will be 
timely for the sport and making sure we pounce on that like the sport did back in 2003 after the last Australian Rugby World Cup that was really successful and there was a lot of momentum game out of that. It's great to hear you think we be competitive. I've seen when you guys played against some of those guys in the Asian competition and the Japanese and that, and they are some big bodies. So hopefully we have a strong and big enough team to actually you can. How how scary is that coming up against those guys? Yeah, when you see someone like Taniella Tupo, who's nicknamed the Tongan Thor, he's 135 kilos and he moves like a winger, you know, running 30, 35 kilometers an hour. It's pretty scary. Um, so makes you want to get uh, in the gym, hey? <laughs> yeah, so all you can do is put your body on the line and hope for the best against those kind of guys. Well, good luck with that. And I like to ask everyone, what is a motto you like to live by? What is something that gets you out of bed or burns that fire in your belly? Just always believes in the values of, yeah, like I said before, being a good person, working hard, and persevering through any adversity you may have to achieve your goals. So. Life's about opportunities and you've got to be ready to take them. You've got to be presented with them first and foremost, but you've got to make sure you put in the work to be ready to take them and think in, in professional sport and against the real world and experience life. I'm sure it's going to be quite similar. That's the people that make it generally are those that take the opportunities and those that have worked hard to get there. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us today. I think it's given a great insight into the Western Force and Rugby Union for those maybe out there who didn't know as much and hopefully got a few more fans here in Perth. Yeah, that's it. Thanks very much for having me on today. Really, really enjoyed it. No worries. Thank you. And enjoy your last night of quarantine. (laughs) Will do. Can't wait for a cafe coffee tomorrow. Can't wait. Big thanks again to Ian Pryder taking the time out to talk to me. I obviously learned a lot about the sport, which I didn't know, and I hope you did too and can really get behind the Western Force. I think Perth deserve a team. They're doing great things, and he sounds like the perfect guy to lead the charge into the future. Uh, Stick around. There will be more episodes next week. Don't worry. I'll be there. And like, subscribe, follow the left of field on all my channels. Thanks again, guys. Bye.